I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. I feel the need, the need for Steve. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Michael. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to the best movies you've never seen. I'm Stephen Fennick. I, as I said last week, a self-confessed movie nerd. And I'm joined by my good mate Trevor Long, who was probably watching a Formula One race when this movie came out. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? G'day, mate. Yes, I probably was, but I certainly am aware of this one. This is a story I'm aware of, that's for sure. Well, let's tell everyone what it's about. We're actually talking about the film Sully. It was released in 2016, stars the great man Tom Hanks, was directed by Clint Eastwood. This is the first time those two actually worked together, two legends of Hollywood, first time they worked together. And it's all about, of course, what they called later the miracle on the Hudson when on January the 15th, 2009, US Airways Captain Chesley Sullenberger, with 40 years of flight experience under his belt, landed an A320 with 155 passengers on the Hudson after a dual engine failure as a result of a bird strike. So tell me, Trev, you I know you only just watched the movie this week, but surely you, you heard about the miracle on the Hudson. Absolutely. I'm, look, I'm a massive news hound, having worked in the media for, for many years, and I think I don't miss a big story. Like, I'm, if it happens, I'm aware of it, and I like to be kind of like an ambulance chaser, clicking on the TVs to watch it. So 100% knew of the story, certainly knew um, the broad principle of, you know, the fact of what happened and what went down and, and the survival ratio of the plane. Um, but And I knew there was a movie, and I knew Tom Hanks was the star. But the reason I'd never got to this one, mate, we travel a lot. Um, I just couldn't watch this one on a plane, Um, (laughs) even if it was available. I don't think it was most times. And so planes are where I would mostly watch movies. So, yeah, that's why I think this one passed me by. Oh, fair enough. But this is, of course, based on a true story. Do you generally, would a movie based on real events attract you more? What Would it make you more likely to watch that movie? 100%. So I think that that's, and we'll probably learn this over the course of many, many, many movies, but (laughs) the more real it is for me, and and this is the same in everything, computer games, the same with me, you know, the more real it is, the more likely I am to give it a go. Um, So this this was always going to be an easy watch for me. I quite enjoyed sitting back to watch this one. Well, it was based on 
Sully's book, which was released a couple of years after the crash. It was originally reached, uh, released as uh, t- entitled Highest Duty, which I've actually read. It's a really good read. The, the book? Uh, yes. He, he, he wrote a biography and obviously th- he peppers throughout the whole book, not only his career, he, he you know, flew in the Air Force, 40 years experience, but also, of course, mentions that that, that fateful day in 2009 when the film was, re- was released in 2016. Funny enough, they re-released the book with a new cover, called it Sully, and it sold, uh, sold a ton. But um, it took a few years to get to the screen. So this it happened in 2009, but didn't actually get to the screen till 2016. So that's a, that's there a fair a reason cap. for that? Well, um, I think maybe production delays, maybe because they were what Sully took a couple of years to write his book. So I think it just, I think, and Tom Hanks probably wasn't available for, for whenever, whenever they asked him the first time, but it was at the time reacted reaction to it was very positive because it was, you think about it, it this is a New York story involving a plane. And yeah. if you cast your mind back less than eight years before that, 9-11, the memories were still pretty raw from, from that time. So, and there's a bit of uh, that in the movie, which we'll get to, um, yeah. and I found that, that kind of fascinating. Yeah, well, the, I, I did too. Let's talk about it now. There, were, there was a few scenes here where there were people looking at this plane that was flying low near the city. It, it sort of You could tell there was a little bit of panic that was setting in almost. Yeah, I think that that's and, – and we'll get into the detail, but that was fascinating to me, the way – they were willing to do that. I mean, you think about it, you don't see a lot of, you know, 9-11 stuff outside of the, the news. And I think any use of, you know, aeroplanes, big buildings, New York, it's it's a tough one for any creator. So I think they pushed to the edge of that boundary and I, th- I think they've executed beautifully with this. Well, we're going to get on with the show, but this is, as we always have every week, your last exit before the highway. So if you haven't actually seen this movie, you can view it if you go through Fetch. Yep, and Fetch is the best way to uh, enjoy all your favourite movies. There's uh, over 9,500 movies available to rent and buy in the Fetch movie store, and you can do it with uh, just a simple click of your remote and ask Fetch, or if you've, uh, you want to type it away, you can do that as well. And the Universal Search allows you to actually then dig deep into any subscriptions you already have. So if the movie that you're watching, and Sully is an example I noticed, was available on Stan, so I didn't need to rent or buy it, I was able to watch it on Fetch via Stan. So hundreds of ways to uh, enjoy your favorite pieces of content and lots of movies for you to enjoy right there on fetch including sully which we're going to talk about right now so if you're still listening you we're ready to go there's going to be some major spoilers although when you think about it this was actually based (laughs) on a true story so it's like sort of trying to spoil the titanic you know at the end you know what happens in the end but there is a few a few interesting scenes a few things we're going to get to all right trev you've watched it for the first time what was different in your mind what surprised you from what you heard about on the news to watching this this fictional portrayal this film portrayal i think that the way i would kind of push this to people is to say you've heard the story you know about the plane crash but i'm not sure you know how close this came to being you know hero to zero for captain sullenberger i I was gripped i I was really shocked by how much went on behind the scenes because i didn't follow the investigation i just saw the issue the crash and i knew that this bloke was the was the captain it was it was remarkable to me um so yeah i quite enjoyed the journey of it and i had an edgier seat wondering and worrying what was going to happen for him and how would you tweet this if you had a? You've walked out of the cinema, seeing this for the first time. What's Trev's tweet? I think it is. Um, you, you know the story, but you don't know how bad it got for Sully. I yeah, think it's that simple, yeah, right? Yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my, I think I've seen this. This is my sixth or seventh time I've seen this movie. Believe it or not, it's a so, low number for you. Yeah, well, it's only been out five <laughs> years. They so give me a chance. Uh, I, I love. I, I realise just how well paced this movie was. It's a, mm. it's a tight ninety six minutes. Yeah. It's really tight movie and made great use of the flashbacks. So that's what I wrote in my notes here. Flashbacks, and you don't actually see the the whole incident in its entirety till near the end of the movie. That's you right. see little yes. grabs of it throughout the movie and then going back. I've got a fun little fact for you though, mate. I was actually on the Universal backlot on a tour when they were filming the water rescue scenes in the water tank. Wow. So I remember looking through my photos and I'm thinking, geez, that li- I remember the, the the livery of the plane had was you know, blue with red stripes and 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 on and on the side of the plane. And I thought, I'm gonna look through my photos. And sure enough, you know, at Universal Studios, there's a massive blue screen in front of a big water tank, and the plane was in that tank. They were, must have been filming the scenes where uh, they were the people were getting off the plane. So oh, I, I got to say, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the specific scenes. But I actually think that all in all, their ability to negotiate the world of CGI, computer graphics, as well as the green screen, um, you know, reality was very well executed here. I mean that they could have done a lot worse. I mean, I look at it and I, I, I kind of see bits I would, I would have, you know, stewed over as a, as a, I guess, editor. But gee whiz, for what they did, it was phenomenal to think yeah. that they were able to recreate most of it. I like the effects. They looked good. And you know what? It also sounded good. The sound in this mm, is yes. If you've got a sound bar or a good surround stereo system, it, it, it works every there, speaker. There was a in moment the in there in, in one of the flight reenactment where it might have been even the bird strike, but the surround sound, oh, man, it just came alive. It was massive. Okay, let's move on to casting call. Of course, Tom Hanks. You know, you know him very well. Yep. And you, you would have, you've probably seen him in. Uh, did you know that he's the voice of Woody in Toy Story? You knew that. <laughs> They're the only movies you've seen. So you oh, no, hang on. Oh, I'm big. I'm across big. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm across Forrest Gump, but I haven't really watched it. I don't remember. Oh, well, we'll have to get that on the list. But you know, I mean, this for Captain Phillips would be the other one that I thought was interesting analogy here because I have watched Captain Phillips, yep. and it's like. There's another story of Tom Hanks being the leader of a, you know, vehicle in a sense, yes. and coming in some way under attack. It was it was fascinating to see him play that role. Um, but I watched the movie thinking, oh no, that guy, oh no, that person, you know, um, yes. his wife, um, a lot of the NTSB people, yeah. mate. Uh, there was a lot of familiar people, but with just on Tom Hanks, after this film came out, there were some really interesting memes doing the rounds. And the meme that came, that stuck with me is you don't ever want to travel with Tom Hanks because <laughs> Captain Phillips, his ship gets hijacked by Somali pirates. Yeah. Apollo 13, he plays yeah. Jim Lovell and That's he has point. trouble. Houston, we have a problem. We have a problem. And, of course, Castaway. Uh, he crashes, he's stuck on an island. Wow. So Tom Hanks, if he asks you to travel with him, say, you know what, I'll uh, catch you on the next <laughs> one. Uh, his co-star was Aaron Eckhart, who did a fantastic job, I reckon, playing his first officer, Jeffrey Skiles. Looked a lot like him too. If you see the actual photos of Jeffrey Skiles, and, and, and with Hanks too, I reckon they did a good job matching them up uh, in terms of looks. Uh, I've got a little pop quiz for you though, mate. The co-star here who played uh, Laurie Sullenberger, Laura Linney, pop mm. quiz for you, what Netflix show – is she co-starring in that I recommended to you a few years ago and that you loved? Oh, I'll give man. you a clue. It starts with oh, it's, o. it's Ozark. 
I, there you go. That's the thing. I'm looking at yeah. it going, I know this person. Yeah. But see, Stephen has the ability, <laughs> folks, to see a person, know their name and everything they've been in. Or I'm one of those people that goes, oh, what are they from? What are they from? And sit there and try to work it out. I, I resist the urge during my watching of these shows for this podcast to do all that kind of IMDB Googling because I, I want to learn it from you, mate. Well, so, well played. Well, I've got more for you. Yep. Did you recognize one of the passengers, okay, one of the passengers from a Seinfeld episode? Is it a lady? Yes. Yeah, I think I think I did, yes. There is. A, the, the woman's name, the actress's name is Valerie Mahaffey, Mahaffey, and she was in Seinfeld Season 3, Episode 2. She was the one playing the accountant that, yeah. that George was dating. Yeah. Who wanted to help Jerry with his taxes? Do you remember that one? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and she, George her, said, "Look, yeah. it's not you, it's me." And uh, he was he was saying, criticizing her, and he she ends up just leaving with all of Jerry's stuff. Anyway, that yep. was she was one of the passengers. Well, so the other one that really stood out to me, and because you know how badly I am on my fetch every day, I look up Universal TV and I'm watching Law and Order. Yep. So <laughs> one of the NTSB panel members is strong from law and order okay i'll give you another ntsb member the woman who played elizabeth david do you recognize her from any her name's anna gunn do you recognize her from another show no she was in breaking bad she played brian cranston's wife in breaking bad she did too yeah and if you're an entourage fan do you you watch turtle was in it turtle was in it correct jerry ferrara i went wow well, he wasn't the only entourage per, uh, actor in it. There was a, a, a the woman on the plane with the baby. Remember, there was the guy. She yes, had a baby and in a lap. Gave it to the, uh, the business Gave man. it to the guy next to her. That woman's name was Autumn Risa, and she plays Lizzie Grant in the later seasons of Entourage. But there see, you there you go. A lot, a lot of uh, not just Hanks and, and Aaron yeah. Eckhart, a lot of other faces. You mentioned at the start, Clint Eastwood directed. I no idea until the the credits rolled. I went, oh wow, <laughs> like. That blew my mind. Well, Clint Eastwood he's, uh, has got quite a quite a library of films that he's directed. Yeah. He's uh, he's uh, he's an Oscar winning director and actor. You you probably know him as an actor, of course. But I've he's directed actually, I'm so pretty confident movies. When you yeah. suggest movies of Clint, I reckon I've seen at least two others. So yeah, that's. I good. was just I didn't know that of Sully. That's all. All righty. Well, let's jump into the memorable scenes and let let you. I'll let you kick this one off. The there's so many memorable scenes to talk about, but you go first here, Trev. I think the the whole. The beginning of this really blew me away because, firstly, it opened with a plane crash. And, that, I mean, it sounds ridiculous because this is a movie about a plane crash. But the thing is, it's, it's like, brutal from the start. And then, hang on a minute, it's, it's a plane crash into a city. And then you suddenly realize, wait, he's in a dream. And then you're jolted into the realization that, hang on, this is all happening after the crash. So, so we've already had the Hudson and we're joining you know, Sully at this point, I, f- I found it to be a really good way to jump into the placement of the, the timeline. Yeah, I really, really already, quite enjoyed yeah. that. And, and just on that, uh, in my research, I found out that Sully apparently did the real Sully did apparently suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder after this. Oh. So was, was admitted to having dreams about this. So that was, that was actually factual. And Hanks mm. admits to spending a bit of time with Sully to get to know him and just to, so he could play him accurately. But, uh, that was a, a pretty hot start to the movie. My my next scene that I remembered was the first time they sat down with the NTSB, the National Transport Safety Board, and that was the, the that was the point where I thought 
Okay, I, I didn't realise there was even uh, uh, any doubt. Uh, there, there was a little bit of, I, I picked up a little bit of conflict here. They, they were trying to like pin the blame on him, perhaps, and they were asking him. Remember, they were saying, "Like, did you get enough sleep the night before? Were it you was drinking?" Kind of weird because you assume yeah. you, you've watched. You know, again, you come to this knowing the story, right? And you also come to this thinking of Sully as a hero. So you're sitting there watching this movie, thinking, "How on earth is the the transport investigator?" Uh, you know, basically on the attack from the get-go, it felt very weird, but critically, it set the scene for essentially the whole underplot of the movie, didn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. I think when, when I'm, I'm pretty sure when Clint Eastwood got the script for this or got the got the pitch for this movie, uh, there needs to be every film needs conflict, and I think if, if it was just this uh, this telling of a story in, uh, about a plane ditching in the river. That wouldn't have been enough. There needed to be that conflict. Well, I think that's what's fascinating to me. I guess I imagine in my mind this story was going to go start six months before the crash and tell us a little bit about Sully, then have the incident and tell us more about Sully and also throw in some passenger stories. I don't know. I assumed that yeah. it, that was it was going to be more biopic than <laughs> than yeah. movie. So that's yeah, why that whole NTSB thing kind of threw me off and it was fascinating. Yeah. Excellent. And what's your next scene? I think there was this moment where um, he he's on the phone to his wife in the hotel room and you can just see the pressure. I think Tom Hanks at this point acts out of his body to, to essentially present the problem, which is I'm under a whole lot of pressure and you, you're not here with me. And it's this, it felt like a, not, not aggression, but it felt like this real separation between him and his wife not yeah. just physically, but emotionally. And here he is under the most intensive pressure. And I think that was that was critical because you just had this NTSB thing. Then you realise this bloke was just under emotional pressure because the NTSB were, were, were investigating him saving the lives of people. It was very, very strange. Yeah. So I think that was a critical moment. There was also, I think in that scene, were they talking about a, a property that they invested in and they didn't have any tenants like and that there was financial came. pressure as well? That was true as well, apparently. There was financial pressures on them at the time. Yeah, there was. There, I think that conversation specifically came later in the movie, but th- I think that set, there were some little moments like that where you go, actually not entirely relevant to the story, but it, it painted Sully as not just this, you know, esteemed captain with millions of bucks. He was a bloke that had a couple of homes and one of them was tenanted and it didn't have tenants and they, they might even lose their own home. So yeah. there so was another. Hu- yeah, humanised humanized him. Yeah. yeah. Spot on. Well, here's the start of my, my next favourite scene. Birds. That was the moment in one of the flashback scenes where, where Sully, where the, the actual incident happens, and he he calls it first. Minute he says birds, and what what is Skiles' reaction? He says, "Whoa!" And, then, and I think so. Listening back to that, you know what's fascinating is, and I don't know whether this kind of stuff's intentional, but you'd like to think it's like when you're in English at school and they they make you analyze a book, and you're like, "Is this really <laughs> what the what the re- writer was intending?" We, we're over analyzing it, aren't we? But when I hear that, I hear Sully had had foresight he was he was he was yeah. always on alert he he saw the birds essentially in the in the space of time seconds before the strike and i think that that again was part of you know painting him as this you know essentially brilliant captain 
Um, yeah. But that was also the bit where the audio, man, you got surround sound. That stuff's happened all around. Yeah, you. it is good. And if you listen carefully to that, you hear the engines winding back. They're, yes. they're sort of winding Some down. Of the sounds. That's, that's the worst sound a captain, a pilot <laughs> wants to hear. Because also in, in some of the flashbacks, there was there was a couple of times they did the flashbacks to the to the incident, and one of them was inside the the cabin uh, as well, not in the cockpit. And the moment the lights flash, and you know mid air lights flashing, I've had it happen, but not go off. And that would be a moment where, as a passenger, you could hear the engines, you could see the lights. I think they they painted that picture of the 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 fear for a passenger very well. Yeah, and and I like and we mentioned how it's the the crash. You sort of see snippets of it. The incident throughout, they drip feed you the action until you get the whole picture at the end. Mm. That, that that builds a lot of tension in the film for sure. Because uh, then, next up, then there was this bit where, again, I thought it was a news report, but it turned out to be a flashback, um, like yeah. a dream. Sorry, um, leading into uh, Sully being interviewed by Katie Couric, he he has a dream or a nightmare about her standing on the the edge of the Hudson doing a news report, saying things like, "Did he make the wrong choice? Is he a hero or a fraud?" And yeah. that that like that's that's huge. That's a really really epic moment because you're thinking, this is him again. It goes back to that whole you know fear that's been put over it. This is not as easy as just he's a hero, is it? He's questioning himself, I think, at this point too. And and Katie Couric, uh, that that interview that she has with Sully with Tom Hanks for the movie, she actually reprised her role. So she came back and asked the same questions that she asked the real Sully. I think it was a 60 minutes interview. Mm. So she came back to recreate that in person with Tom Hanks for the movie. So that was uh, and, and that see, was pretty good. And then shortly after that, he has another flashback. Tell us about that. He stands up and he looks at the window, looks out the window, and essentially he he daydreams seeing a low flying plane through the essentially through Manhattan, and it crashes like in front of you. And I, mate, I I wrote a note, epic CGI, like that was yeah. very well executed. It's also very well shot. Did you notice that you know camera on the outside of the building, looking through the window, shadow in the middle, glare yeah. outside of it, and Hank stands right in the shadow so that you can you know you can yeah. see him, whereas the rest of the thing is is bright and, and glary. Stuff like that is is so so well done, and you can only imagine the hours that would go into it. Yeah, that that looked again another great sounding scene as well, um, and that that. And I think after he was having this flashback, there was one of the one of his colleagues was calling him. He goes, Sully, he goes, I've been calling you for two minutes. You, you didn't hear me. He, yeah. That's how deep he was into the flashback. Uh, on my next couple of scenes was he he loved jogging in the movie. You notice, and he he was jogging around one night, and he he pops into a bar. So this isn't the start of a joke. A captain walks into a bar <laughs> and he walks up and the guy behind the counter is actually a, a really good actor named Michael Rappaport. Yes. He's been in heaps of movies. Uh, and he takes a few seconds before he recognizes, he goes, hang on, you're him. You're the guy. You're the hero. And then he says, we actually named a drink after you. He says, it's a shot of Grey Goose and a splash of water. Splash of water. <laughs> so, which so he is gives a free drink. <laughs> So he uh, he's recognised there, and people. That's the feel I got too. There were a lot of people that just walked up to him. Remember the woman later in the movie hugs him, says, "Oh, you're a hero." Yeah. So they're they're building that that part of his personality as well. But my next favourite scene was, and again, part of the flashback sequence, but also when the air traffic controller gets involved. Back to 1549, turn right 280. You can land runway one, Teterboro. We can make it. Okay, which runway would you like to Teterboro? Go ahead, try number one. Number one. No relay. 
We're going to end up in the Hudson. Too low terrain. I'm sorry, say again, Cactus? Too low terrain. Yeah, so that, that was sort of just gave you just a snippet of the situation and, and what they did, they actually followed the live because you can hear it on, you can hear the actual recording of the from the cockpit. Mm. So that, that followed pretty closely and the, the the air traffic controller was trying to direct him either back to LaGuardia, but when he said no, no go, he said it off to his right, which was Teterborough, and he he knew straight away that uh, that he was going to land in the Hudson. Before that, actually, I should have mentioned uh, the scene, one of my other scenes was when they were on the Letterman show. And the can Letterman I ask you show- about this? Yes. I watched this and I thought, is that stitched together? Like, yes, because it was. It's, yes. Oh, right. See, because yes. Letterman, yeah. Yeah. you know, eight years later, doesn't look like that. I can tell you that right. Exactly. Yeah, he looks a lot different. You're right. And what they did, they digitally placed them in the actual footage. Wow. You can see the real interview on YouTube, but they just digitally replaced uh, the real people from the US Airways with with Hanks and the cast there as well. I so thought that was very well done. Nice bit of Hollywood trickery right there. Very well done. Very okay, well done. so uh, what the I also quite like the uh, the rescue scene, of course, on the Hudson. Yep. So where the ferry boats are, are, are piling in, the scenes that I actually witnessed on the back lot of Universal Studios back in the day. But uh, this was a, a really faithful recreation of what happened uh, when the by the time the plane hit the Hudson, I think it was within four minutes there was a ferry there. And so I think the, this is this is the without question the most intense, epic, um, well-produced, well-shot, everything part of the whole movie. Because you, you got to realise they've gone from another NTSB interrogation where they, they realised that the computer simulations are saying that you didn't need to crash. And then they, they essentially do the entire flashback. Because we'd seen bits of the crash, hadn't we? We'd seen bits of the cockpit. We'd seen bits of the bird strike and stuff. But this was the whole deal. This was... Um, back to the passengers I mentioned, the bird strike. It was the whole thing plus the 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 landing, and, or the crash, or what what do they call it? Because they they corrected people. They said, yeah, we didn't crash. It was a controlled landing, controlled yeah. water landing, controlled water um, landing. Yeah, but you know the the plane is in the Hudson, and it, it actually as a movie doesn't look believable. But only because I've seen the news vision do I realize that it is real. Right? Um, yes. Damn, that was shot well. It, it was. This was this was unbelievable because you had a, a plane, a, a, a fuselage, you had rafts, you had people in the water. It was very well shot. Just a bit of a just a bit of a behind the scenes uh, how they shot this. Apparently, they did gather the ferries again in the middle of the Hudson and left a big space so they could digitally insert the plane, their plane, uh, into yeah, into right. the footage as well. But you mentioned too, I think one of your favourites was uh, the captain's concern with the the number, 155, was going through his head as well. Well, you think about it, right? He gets off, they, they get all rescued, no, spoiler alert, uh, all 155 people look like they're off the plane. Um, and critically, he's the last man off in a very captain's call he walks all the way down the plane in the water looking for people calling out for people like he takes his time he even goes back into the cockpit grabs his jacket and his flight notes and then jumps onto the raft he and the uh, the first mate um, uh, dispatch the raft from the plane and they get rescued he's on shore and he keeps asking people have we done a head count 155 our man 155 yeah. he makes the point there's no manifest for a domestic flight so we we don't we don't have a list and just count. Yeah, yeah. there's a dude saying the mayor and the police commissioner want to meet you. And he's like, I don't care. I want to, I want to count the 155. And again, I think it just, it was, you know, a minute and a half of the movie that just yeah. showed Sully's character as a, as a human Absolutely. being. 
So there was the one fifty five. There was one fifty passengers and five crew. So there was that. That that's what got it. Got us uh, the total there. Uh, but that that was uh, the, this. The whole they did sort of have they sort of pull in on a couple of characters. Remember the guys who were late to the airport. Yes. The dad guy, the dad with his sons, they on a golf trip. And See, one of them was on one side of the wing. They were the late one. to the plane and they'd already done the pre flight checklist. I assumed <laughs> we'd get to an investigation and find out that the, you know, 200 kilos that those blokes were was the tipping point between landing and not. Like, I don't know why else would you show that other than to set a character well, up for that little perhaps- risky shot. I'm, I'm guessing that in real life they probably just – you know, there's sort of sliding door moment sort of thing where they, they've just yeah. made it onto the plane and look what happens. If they hadn't have – if they had waited for their dad, they would have got the next plane. Do but, you reckon – do you reckon if it wasn't such a tight, you know, hour and a half, yeah. that could have – that would have been expanded out, that, that the, the backstory slash storyline of those guys might have made up an, another five minutes of it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, there is. They did do, you know, that, that show of uh, air crash investigations. Mm-hmm. They did a, a really good look back on this. And and that in that show, you actually hear more from the passengers than you do from Sully himself. So yeah, right. for anyone who's interested in sort of hearing the backstory and the circumstances of those passengers, that's that's worth looking up, yeah, uh, that one. Uh, but uh, we, we are all coming up, of course, to – the inquiry so it's all lead it's all building up to this inquiry uh what they've done before the inquiry they because the, this is an airbus a320 the headquarters of airbus is in toulouse so they were flying they were simulating the circumstances to come up with whether the plane could have actually made it back to LaGuardia, yep. and the inquiry that uh, they said they they had a number of attempts and they they tried all these different scenarios but this is this is the line that I think kicks it into gear for me from 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 Captain Sully played by Tom Hanks. Can we get serious now? Captain? We've all heard about the computer simulations and now we are watching actual sims, but I can't quite believe you still have not taken into account the human factor. Human piloted simulations show that you could make it back to the airport. No, they don't. So he's referring to there is the pilots who were in the sim in Toulouse with all the, the data, all the information. He he was inferring that these pilots were flying, expecting the bird strike. Spot on. They knew was- exactly right what was going to happen. And he's the he when he mentioned the human factor, that's what added the thirty seconds that would take to sort of the oh oh my god moment to decide what's going to happen. Because it's a it's a critical part of the investigation, isn't it? Where they go right, we've run computer, you know, AI programs that say at this altitude, with this speed, with these failures, can it get back? And a computer says yes to every airport, every runway that they tried. And then, as you mentioned, real pilots sitting in real sims flying around. But Sully's point is, mate, they they practice. And and the the critical thing here is, Sully asks, how many times did they practice? Yes. And the woman on the NTSB says 17 times. 17 17 times times they practiced to get the plane from the failure to the airport, whereas Sully didn't know it was going to happen. They did and had no chance to practice. So it was like a – at that point, it was like, boom, open and shut case. But even then, they hadn't even heard the cockpit um, cockpit voice recorder, had they? Yeah, that was that was a really good, uh, like a good f- final scene for the movie, and mm. I, I did like the fact that 
when in that scene, uh, and we're going to talk about this in stuff that stuff you might not know, and uh, I've I've spoken to an actual pilot, which we'll get to in a minute about his opinion of this. But the when Skiles during during the even the earlier investigations was talking about just how well Sully handled the situation, and I think in in one instance, and we'll we'll, we'll refer to this again later in the show, he decided the critical thing that he did was decide to uh, to hit to activate the auxiliary uh, the auxiliary power. He which, did that almost immediately until, instead yes. of 15th on the checklist. It's nine. It's ninth on the checklist. Right. But I'll talk more about that. I had a good chat with my, my brother-in-law, Anthony, who's a pilot. Oh, I got his his thoughts on this too, which so we'll share in a minute. But I think the C, the CVR listening was, was a, a fantastic part of the movie because we'd already heard it in flashbacks. But yep. what they did was they put the investigators into their first hearing. They hadn't heard it. They played it yep. live in public for the first time. And they were basically put in their place. And... The guy, they uh, both Sully and the first officer had to leave the room and just regroup after that. And they came back and the lead narc from the NTSB <laughs> says to them something along the lines of, and you may put this down as a memorable quote, we'll get to those, but he says to them something along the lines of, this is the first time I've ever heard um, the cockpit voice recording uh, with the pilots in the room uh, who yeah. survived the crash. I mean, exactly. he doesn't yeah. normally investigate with the pilots around. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, let's get on to the quotes you mentioned. I've got I've got two quotes uh, that I'm going to play. First one is here. Sully, don't worry. You did a great thing. It's going to be remembered for a very long time. It's a funny thing. I've delivered a million passengers over 40 years in the air, but in the end, I'm going to be judged on 208 seconds. That was the length of the flight was 208 seconds. And I thought was a was him sort of coming to the coming to the conclusion that this is my whole career's on the line here. Yeah. This investigation could make me I'm a hero, or it's going to make me look like I've made the wrong decision. And there's there's forty years of flying out the window. And but critically, I think, and I don't know whether it was intentional. I would think the NTSB saga was intentional throughout. But I'll be honest, I actually felt like the first officer was. Not all on board. Like there was, a, there was times where I thought he was going to turn. He was going to, you know, be behind the scenes and say, "Listen, I didn't know what he was doing," or something like that. <laughs> I, I felt like there was moments where he wasn't all in on Sully. So there, there was this subplot that I'm thinking, "Oh, what's going to happen?" Yeah. Um, but I tell you what fascinated me, and and again, in terms of you know, memorable um, lines, and this one's not. I don't know if this is unique to the to the to the moment, or this is a, a famous quote. But everything is unprecedented. Until it happens for the it first happens. time, yeah. I mean, that's what someone says to Sully, mate. Yep. This is unprecedented. He goes, everything is unprecedented until it happens for the first time. I have got a memorable quote, but it's not from the movie. Oh. I've got a quote from his book, and it's it's a couple of lines which I think kind of sums up how his mindset during during the crash. In in his book, he says, "I did not think I was going to die. Based on my experience, I was confident." that I could make an emergency water landing that was survivable. That confidence was stronger than any fear. That's, so that's it, huge. It plays into his, his, his experience, his confidence, and, mate, it, it, uh, it turned out all for the best. But I've got one last quote, which is actually part of our intro, but I'm going to play it again for you right now. This is the captain. Brace for impact. 
fascinating. That's that the, 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 the email show intro. We've got we've got the Godfather at the start and, and Sully yeah. at the end, and we didn't even plan that to be honest, folks. Right, well, it was a happy accident, but they're the though. words you don't want your captain to say. Really, and also are. that was the first they'd heard. Like yes. they didn't they didn't have any other information other than you know there'd been that flashing lights and it didn't look right or whatever. But otherwise, that was the first they'd heard from the cockpit. There, there's a couple other things I wrote. A, I wrote a couple of things down in terms of memorable lines um, or Ooh. things that I guess stood out to me. Yep. And we talked about this earlier in terms of New York City. There was there was a moment where someone says, it's been a while since New York had news this good, especially with yeah. an airplane in it. Exactly. Um, well, you know, it was it was less than eight years after 9-11, do you remember? So it was, yeah, the, yeah, that, that's a good point, yeah. The other one from Sully, um, there's a couple here from Sully actually. Um, it's all about the timing. You can accomplish anything if you're not in a hurry. That was yeah. in reference to those, you know, computer simulations and the and the pilots doing that. And again, in the same reference, this wasn't a video game. This was life and death. Absolutely. So those moments, those key things. But I reckon actually stealing the show was old mate next to Sully. You know, would you do anything <laughs> differently? Yeah. I would have done it in July because <laughs> it would have been warmer. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I did. I did like the flashbacks to when he was learning to fly. Remember, he was flying the biplane, and there was the his instructor back when yeah. he was a kid, and he was saying uh, the one. I think the one line that would stick with him the rest of his life is, "Look, when in doubt, fly the plane. Just fly the plane." And that's yeah. what he ended up doing. Yeah. Let's move on now to the what what I like to call the the plot holes. The how did that happen? I've got a couple here. Um, yeah. First, my first one is the movie takes place between January 2009 and the actual inquiry by the NTSB was in May 2010. But did you get the feeling that despite it being a year and a half, it felt like it all took place over a few days? Did you get yeah, that impression? Did. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. I, hadn't yeah. even, I didn't know that. So He hadn't been home yet. It, it looked like he hadn't gone <laughs> he home. He still hadn't seen his wife. Yeah. So it's a long yeah. time. Eh? He's away. It's a long trip. Which, which actually, I think that might have added to the movie by somehow inserting that time frame because it actually creates a much more stressful moment. He wouldn't have flown in that whole time. He just wanted his wings back. Exactly. Uh, which leads me to my next one, which is we mentioned Laura Linney, who plays uh, Laurie Sullenberger, his wife. Why? Like, she's a great actress. She was sort of in a couple of scenes. Why didn't they have Laura Linney and Tom Hanks together in a scene? Like, he'd gone home again and... Why couldn't they have had that scene in the movie? It would have been good to well, see them on the screen inquiry. Yeah, that's right. She wasn't even there either. So we, that would have been good. To, don't you reckon to see them together? Very strange. It's like it was filmed in COVID times and they weren't allowed to be together. <laughs> Maybe, right. <laughs> Maybe they weren't. There was have a moment, I don't others? know if you saw this, um, and mate, maybe I need to rewatch it and, and triple check my vision. And it was, by the way, I watched this at six a.m. in the morning, so who knows? Okay. But there was a reporter. It wasn't the Katie Couric one. It was just a random reporter uh, straight after the rescue. And mate, something skipped in his voice. Like he, his lips didn't match. His lips matched, and at the start and end, but in the middle they didn't. Uh, it's like they had to resync okay. it, and and they took some words out. I, I'm going to watch it again to check that one. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to, did you notice there was a scene with, uh, remember I, mem- I mentioned Sully liked to jog. He liked mm-hmm. to go jogging. Yep. There was a scene where he was jogging around Times Square. And if you know, Clint Eastwood directed this movie, remember? If you look closely, you'll see posters for two Clint Eastwood movies in Times <laughs> Square. 
<laughs> one of them was Grand Torino, which is actually his picture on the Grand Torino poster. That's Gold, that's yeah. that's seeing himself. He's sort of showing himself in the movie. And the other of his films was Jersey Boys. So yeah. I don't know whether that was accidental or intentional or what, but it's definitely intentional. Nice plug for your own movies. Uh, yeah. I'll give you. Did you notice? And this is the uh, the tech guy in me, and obviously Stephen and I host a weekly show called. Two I know what you're going to say here. I'm going to let Early you say. Early iPhones, oh, no. Blackberries. I think it was very yes. well played. They 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 timed it. What do they call that? They they brought the things yes. of the time. It's like when right. you watch a show from the 20s. They've got the cars. Yeah, uh, it was very well done. You know. Well, the guy I did notice that, and the guy I'll tell you when they used the first iPhone. Remember the guy who was worried about where his son was? He was on the other side the of, the, of the river. Yeah, he was on the, on the original other side of the iPhone. He was on the original iPhone. Yeah, good <laughs> spotting, Trevor. Spotted. <laughs> Did you also notice uh, the ring that Tom Hanks was wearing? The ring with I, the big blue stone. Yeah, I did. But again, it didn't become yeah. relevant. What it was, I assumed that was just okay. Well, Sully's got one. We got to have one. He he was a member, a member of the U.S. Air Force. So oh. that is a ring. Actually, he was given on the graduation from the U.S. Air Force Academy. Oh. So uh, that was another detail that they kept in the movie. Um, the ferry boat captain. His name is Vince Lombardi, and the scuba rescuers in the Hudson were played by themselves. They were actually the people oh, who wow. rescued them from the Hudson. That's so remember awesome. the guy, the boat captain, remember the guy, yeah, the ferry. He's like, okay, he was, just a little bit further. There we are. Go. You know, like yeah. that was, that was the actual guy who was oh, there on January, 2009. Man an award. Vince Lombardi and the two scuba rescuers whose names uh, I haven't got, but excellent. Um, the other thing, don't know whether you noticed this, when the plane was in the bobbing around on the Hudson and the passengers were out on the wing, mm. did you notice not many of them were wearing life jackets? That's true. This was, actually, this was accurate to the film as well. 70% yep. of the passengers who got off the plane weren't listening to the safety to safety at the start of the flight. They weren't listening to the safety message. Which they is fascinating. They still weren't wearing their, their life jackets. Because conversely... I felt that when the um, air steward said brace, 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 and kept saying that, by the way, they would repeat yes. it. That was a, I'd never seen that. Head I've never down, been stay down. Yes. Yep. Um, everyone did it perfectly. There was no outliers, whereas I would have imagined there probably was at some point some people that didn't do it properly or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I found that fascinating too. That the that, the that would, life jackets were, were poorly uh, taken. Yeah. Because that was accurate to the film because you've got to remember, they're in the middle of the Hudson. The wing is quite slippery when it's wet. It's slippery. So someone could have easily fallen in the river and drowned. It, yeah. it was it was the whole the whole thing. The, the fact there was no one injured and no fatalities was incredible. Yeah. Um, did you watch till after the credits, Trev? Did no, you watch did right not. to the end? Oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Cars that. 3, so I didn't know to look out for it. There's always, <laughs> there's always extra scenes in a Pixar movie. Well, after the credits, Captain Sully himself, the real Captain Sully, is with all of the actual passengers and the actual passengers say into the camera what seat they were sitting in. Blake says 12B, no. 2A, 3C. So they were Every the single one passengers. of them. Well, well who, I don't know if it was everyone, but most of them were there. Wow. And it was with the actual plane that was recovered from the Hudson, which is now on display in Charlotte, which was their original destination. The plane was bound for Charlotte. Wow. They recovered the plane and it is now on display in Charlotte as well. Oh, see, now I want to go. There. So watch to the end, mate. You've got to watch to the end. Now, we're gonna we're talking now about the things you might not know, and this is gonna take on a fact v fiction kind okay. of flavor here. Okay. Because as you say, 
your brother-in-law is a pilot he uh, is. of a commercial, and, and I, commercial airline. So this is, this is. is the real he, stuff. Shout out to Anthony, my brother-in-law. He spent an hour with me on the phone yesterday. I was sort of picking his brain about these. Um, first, The first thing, though, is, is not from him, but is something that I found out in the research was that the National Transport Safety Board were not happy about this movie. They weren't happy about how they were portrayed. Oh. They said that they were villainized. They were made to look the villain. And I remember, do you remember when I was telling you, Clint Eastwood said, look, there needs to be a, 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 yeah, an antagonist yeah. and a protagonist. You need, that was kind of the, the role that the NTSB played and the people on the board they were not – I don't think they were actual people. They were sort of – they made one character who was meant to represent two real people. So they weren't happy right. at all because their their feedback was that it was a routine investigation and their job is to find out the cause and to ensure it never happens again. And that's how they that's I, how they carried it out. Funny because I look at it and I went, you know what, they, they came across as narcs, but they were doing their job because at the end – they got the result. I mean, and it's Absolutely. the same with same with the yeah. police. That's how it works. You know, you got to you got to investigate. Uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, oh, like I said, I was chatting to my my bro my bro in law Anthony, and he was saying, I said, look, from a like I think this is amazing, but from a pilot's perspective, he says, no doubt about it. This guy, his experience, he's just such a, a cool under pressure. It was a remarkable thing that he did. But one thing he and, and he sent me this actual checklist. One thing that was changed after the incident was the emergency checklist. So the, the list which had the auxiliary power unit being down the list yeah. is now number one on the list as a result of this incident. So did Anthony mention what, so the APU, the auxiliary power unit, is what they use when they're at the gate and stuff. It's there to kind of keep the, keep the lights on, essentially. Correct. Does it normally in flight, the engines supply the power. So the so, power for everything. So yeah. what purpose does it hold in this situation? Is there any amount of thrust that it gives because there is no, no. it only provide our thrust is only provided from the engine itself mm -hmm. it takes the auxiliary power unit by the way takes 30 seconds to start up according to anthony mm -hmm. so the fact that sully decided to hit it first rather than ninth made a huge difference if you had to wait until the ninth step on the list that extra 30 seconds for it to start could have resulted in uh, have fatal results here so his decision to hit the APU first was helped save them because without any power from the engine, they had no hydraulics, so they couldn't adjust the rudder or the flaps. Yeah. So hitting the auxiliary power unit is right. what gave the the rudder and the flaps power. So, so just for context, and this is me talking from a Microsoft Flight Simulator perspective. <laughs> By the way, all you the beeps and can you land on the Hudson? Can all, you land on the Hudson? Been there, done that. All the beeps and warnings uh, are, I now realise are so very real in the flight sim game because I've heard them now from the, from the cockpit flight, cockpit flight recorder, voice recorder. Yep. But what's so what we're saying is just to sum up on the APU. If he, if he hadn't turned that on, there could have been a moment down the track where he didn't have control of the flaps and rudders that would have meant that he didn't get that same ability to physically land the plane That's so right. gently and well. You think about where he was going, he would have had to turn back over the Bronx, heavily populated area. Mm -hmm. So he had no control over the rudder or the flaps for that first period. The other obstacle in his way was the George Washington Bridge. Yes. The George Washington Bridge, he only cleared it by less than a thousand feet. So that was another obstacle he had to he had to Sounds avoid. Like a lot, but in aviation terms, that is not lost. Oh, that's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's it's nothing. But in 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 reality, during the flight, he barely reached three thousand feet, and they were dropping at one thousand feet a minute. So if you think wow. about 
you, you, it's got there's a stopwatch going on. Now, in terms of the a dual bird strike, and I was asking Anthony this as well. He goes, the odds on takeoff of both engines going out is astronomical. It's a very yeah. rare thing to ever happen. As you said in one of the quotes, it's unprecedented until it happens for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, in this instance, the odds of this happening and and then and survive not only it happening but also surviving it as well is astronomical. Yeah. The other thing that that um, that I heard as well was that pilots are never really trained to practice a water landing. They, 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 they're taught how to ditch, whether it's on land or in the in the ocean, but they've never they never oh. ever formally train a pilot to land on water. Because I felt that was very fascinating watching the simul watching the the CGI of of the crash because obviously there's no vision of that so close up, but it was a very brutal. Um, stop. You know, when a thing comes from going a couple of hundred kilometers an hour to nothing, that's actually what can cause the most injuries is not that it breaks up in the flames, but the the, the impact, right? But yeah. what's fascinating to me is the engines hang underneath and it's not, it didn't feel like it, it came down and, and, you know, sat on the engines to, to land it. They went in, they essentially got almost ripped off and it, and it just came yeah. to a stop. So it actually, from the vision, the, the, the cockpit went underwater and bobbed back up. So you know, it was it was amazing yeah. to think that he was able to do that. It's more remarkable now than it was then. I think it comes from his years of experience. So he, yeah. he apparently landed. The plane was at an angle of nine point eight degrees as it was coming towards the water, and Anthony was saying that a water landing, all it takes is for one wing to be not level for it to dig into the water and then right. cartwheel, and then then the plane breaks up. There was years ago, I think it was back in the 90s, there was a hijacked Ethiopian airline 767. And there were this, you can see this vision on YouTube. They were attempting a water landing and one of the wings clipped the water yes, and the, the whole plane it. cartwheeled, broke up, killed 125 of the 175 passengers on board. So you, it just goes to show what an amazing feat of flying yeah. Sully achieved with this this landing on the Hudson. But that is the things you might not know for Sully. Um, what what's your wrap up and your rating, mate? What would you out of ten? What would you give this? This is ab- oh, out of ten. Um, out of ten, this is an eight out of ten. I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. So well shot. Really great storyline. Great cast. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it more this time. I, I watched it on uh, – it's available on 4K. I was watching it in 4K. And as I said, not only looks good, but sounds great. If the, Those plane the, – the, the the flashback scenes of the planes and the, the landing itself, it, it is a good-looking movie, great-sounding movie as well. But really, there's not a dull second in the movie. I think that, that tight runtime, they weren't wasting any time. This yeah. this had to have some pace to it because – yeah, you got to remember, the, the, everyone kind of knew what happened. So trying to dramatize it and, and give you that stretched out flashback, sort of drip feeding you all those great details. I think uh, Clint Eastwood, I'm a big fan of his work. He's done a great job with this movie. Yep, I loved it. It was excellent. And uh, if you want to watch it, uh, as we did, you want to watch it again, uh, if you've got a fetch box, it's uh, available to search in the movie store. You can rent and buy uh, in HD as you like, um, or you can find it on your favourite streaming service. It's available on Fetch as well. You can buy a Fetch box for 199 bucks at JB Hi-Fi Harvey Norman. Very easy to get. Great little device to give you access to a world of entertainment. Stephen, I, I love the well, movie. I really did. What's next? Excellent. Well, that's a wrap for Sully. Next week, we are looking at Planet of the Apes and not the oh. Mark Wahlberg version in 2001. We're talking the best and original 1968 film starring the one and only Charlton Heston. So that's next week 
on the best movies you've never seen. I'm Stephen Fennick. Thanks a lot, Trev. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.